0: This is the third in a series of podcasts with Tech Research Asia, Cisco, and Datacom. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us. My name is Trevor Clark. I'm a director at a company called Tech Research Asia. Um, Today we're gonna talk around private cloud and its role in the future as we move into a hybrid or a multi-cloud world. And joining me today is Mark Isles from Tech Research Asia, uh, Daniel Balbez from Datacom, and Rodney Hamill from Cisco. So gentlemen, thanks very much for your time today.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks, Trevor. Enjoy.
0: Looking forward to chatting with you. All right. Well, Daniel, let's let's start with you first of all. Um, private cloud in a multi-cloud world or a hybrid environment. What does that actually mean? What what what's your take on the role of private cloud today?
1: Well, we see private cloud as being a really important part of a customer's hybrid landscape, and the way the way we talk about it in Datacom is is almost the nucleus of a customer's hybrid landscape, connecting into all of the different public cloud services that the customers are wanting to get access to. Great location for those thorny applications that were never really designed to run in a public cloud, but are so core to many of our key customers and the services that they provide to to their customers and and also our agencies and the citizen services that they provide. So we really see private cloud as being a very significant part of that hybrid environment for our customers.
0: Okay, thank you. And and Rodney, let me let me ask you. I think sometimes this, and I think we've talked about this previously together. It can be a little bit of a religious debate sometimes, can't it? When you talk about private cloud, public can, cloud, yeah. hybrid, etc. Where, yeah. where where do you think the conversation
2: should start? Well, I think it should start at you know, what are the applications and where are the best where's the best place for them? Um, and that best place is determined by the data you're storing any corporate governance you may be under, how is the application um, factored? Um, As Daniel pointed out, is is the application suitable to put into a public cloud? Um, If it is suitable, which public cloud? Because they all offer things slightly different. So is it more suited for Amazon or GCP or Azure? Um, If it's going to be in a private cloud, what services does it need to access? If any from a public cloud environment like we could be using some of the benefits so i think it needs to start at the application and um i think what Hmm. we've seen a lot of discussions happening is it starting at hey i'm just going to go to the cloud and i'm going to lift and shift everything um and that's kind of like become the undoing of many a cloud strategy because uh, once you've done that you've got to go back and say hey um i can't move this stuff what am i going to do here so uh, for me, that's where, where it kind of comes from. And then you've got private clouds clearly are not going to be as big as they used to be as customers start to consume SaaS services and cl- cloud services, but they're probably going to be very critical for their environments. And there's probably going to be more of them as we start to get towards the edge and other things. So I think um, application is is the key.
0: So, um, I think that's a great segue because you mentioned, Rodney mentioned Edge a second ago and and, um, I think it's something that's come through. We we hear a lot of these conversations uh, around hybrid and Edge starting to come through. Mark, what does the data tell us about where the market is shifting overall when it comes to whether it's private cloud or whether we start to talk about Edge as well?
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting. And like you say, it can it can turn into a bit of a religious war around, you know, what's public cloud. And if you go back probably five or six years to when the hyperscalers were probably in their, their initial phase of growth, it looked like, you know, they were certainly positioning public cloud as the panacea to all IT ills. Uh, what we've seen is over time the right workload, right environment and people have softened their approach a little bit. You know, we've seen a lot of customers, research that we've done indicates, you know, even in ANZ up to close to 50% of customers have actually moved workloads back out of public cloud because it's not the right environment for everything. But what we're seeing happening over the last couple of years is as we've got growth in data and sensors and particularly IoT, the number of edge use cases uh, and especially in, in quite diverse geographic locations uh, we're seeing a, a huge growth in the number of use cases for edge, and not just the typical ones of factories that need resilience that can't rely on it, but but just trying to bring some of the vast quantities of data that you've got um, from some of these sensors back to central locations just doesn't make any sense. And we're going to see more, I think, edge use cases which lends itself to these kind of micro and and, and uh, private cloud style environments. So I'm actually we're actually seeing a little bit of a swing towards um, you know more use cases for for, for private cloud moving forward.
1: We're um, we're really interested, Mark, in the bringing those data services closer to the edge, and the work that the hyperscalers are doing in unleashing their data services to run inside these private cloud environments, so that we can get that those great a- analytics and insights without having to shift all of that data, and that's. That's sort of a theme we're starting to see across a lot of the hyperscalers and makes us quite excited as to how we can enable that for our customers in the locations that they want.
3: 5G is kind of driving that as well. So as we're starting to see some 5G rollouts happening inside the region, it's also sort of adding fuel to the fire, so to speak, of of those edge use cases.
2: Yeah, Daniel, if we add on on to that, I think um, uh, that's that's an important um, point that you picked up because I think... The the pace of innovation that we're seeing in the public clouds has has been nothing like we've seen before, and and it's sustained. So, you know, they've basically a a whole market has been created, and it's been continued innovation at a sustained pace. So, the the, the feature velocity is mind boggling that we're seeing come from particularly the three major providers. And it's not necessarily that I have to move all of my data and have to move all of my hosting into one of those providers to have access to those benefits. It's more, how do I architect my private cloud in such a way that I do create a true hybrid or multi-cloud environment where I can access those services as I need them. And if the application should be in there, then I'll move it. But not all of my data needs to be in there to, to receive the the benefits of the innovation that's happening in the public clouds. And things like you know um, Google Anthos is a great example of what they're doing to help bring you know, some of those services closer to your private cloud. So. Um, now, clearly, we've seen a shift in messaging from the, the web scalers um, and private clouds back in vogue. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, we talk about it as the hyper-connected private cloud. And it sometimes customers look at us a little bit sideways because we say we want our private cloud to be the most connected private cloud. We want to enable you to have access to any one of these different hyperscale environments because we complement them we're not competing against them we want you to have access to all of those advanced services because that generates value for you and we're actually really sure about where we provide that value and that's that's a that's a a shift in the conversation from a few years ago where it was very much a head-to-head sort of battle and uh, and it does depend a bit where customers are on their cloud maturity journey as well
0: so one of the things that we notice uh, as well is amongst our customers that many of them uh, still look at private cloud as being something which is you know uh, in their own data center uh, it's their own infrastructure they've set it up you know in a virtualized environment they're trying to get self-service and billing and all that sort of stuff back but Private cloud today has kind of shifted. It's uh, often now managed by a third party. It it may be a multi-tenanted environment, but you may have your own, you know, you might be siloed off from everyone else. And often it'll be in a data center, a co-location facility where you have access not only to the uh, public cloud services, which we spoke around before, but also to everyone else that's in that ecosystem within that co-location facility, which is kind of a, a great change. Do you see that, um, Daniel, from your perspective, that people are uh, are starting to see that
1: change in what we mean by private cloud? Oh, absolutely, Trevor. And in fact, we've actually sort of shifted our, our vernacular in the way we talk about our datacom cloud environments over the last year or so to, to call them private cloud. And in the past, that was very much a dedicated you-owned everything. But our private cloud environment today um, is full multi-tenancy with, with isolation for obviously every client, but we offer the whole gambit from co-location facilities for customers who have those those mainframes and those servers, which they just need to sit next to that cloud, through storage as a service, where customers just want to get access to, to storage, but plug it into their environment, all the way through to that full multi-tenanted uh, cloud platform for customers. And really, you know, Private cloud is just becoming, it's just a cloud, but it's just to differentiate from uh, the hyperscalers and those types of environments.
0: Hmm. Um, Let me touch on perhaps what can be a, a little bit of a prickly topic sometimes for some people, and let's talk about costs. Um, it's often obviously a key driver in decision-making for everyone and understandably so. We all want to improve both, reduce our capital expenditure and, and you know, optimize our operational spend as well. Mark, what, what's your take on the differences that come through or the conversations that you're seeing when it comes to cost and the different options that you have when you set up a hybrid environment? Because hybrid means so many different things to so many different people, doesn't it?
3: Uh, it does, I mean, what what is hybrid? What is multi-cloud? Uh, the one thing that I think we're all certain of is we're living in a hybrid or multi-cloud world. Because at the minute you, you talk to any enterprises out there, you know, I think with the last data that we collected uh, the average enterprise has 3.8 clouds. I don't know how you have 0.8 of a cloud, but, if, but you get the idea, right? We, we just are in a multi cloud environment. It might not be what you see from the hyperscalers and the marketing, but every customer is living in that environment with you know either SaaS platforms, private cloud platforms, public cloud platforms. And obviously, the consideration to most clients, uh, they're looking at what's the right workload for the right environment, which we touched on. Uh, most people have that type of approach. But cost is a significant factor. The reality is there are a lot of workloads that just don't sit well in public cloud and will be significantly more expensive to run uh, in a public cloud environment and are better suited to a private cloud style environment. So, you know, we've, we've, you know, a lot of the data that we've collected says, you know, one of the most common reasons for people pulling workloads back out uh, of public cloud is cost, it's, a, it's the common cost blowout model that, that we've seen on, on some occasions. You budget X amount of money for public cloud and you find as the workload's flexing and the usage patterns are different, that those costs start to blow out. Uh, and for a lot of customers, that, uh, that, that doesn't work particularly well.
0: Yeah it's a good it's a it's a good point we we as you said the data we've collected also indicates that the biggest barrier for a lot of organizations particularly small organizations which maybe not have done as much public cloud to date is they just can't get the pre- predictability around those costs they just don't know what it's going to cost them over time, and it's a really kind of difficult calculation to make, even for people who are experts in this field. It's really hard to make that um, to make that evaluation, um, and you know to be able to then put a business case behind it. I mean, as analysts, as we know, we can always come up with numbers that fit one scenario over another, um, but the reality is it's going to be unique to your own environment. Um, Daniel, one of the other things I'd like to ask you about is um, sometimes it's hard to kind of Uh, provide uh, clear articulation of what the value is in a hybrid world, particularly when it comes to app modernization. A lot of people kind of think app modernization equals, I need to be microservices, I need to be containerized in a PaaS environment, in a public cloud, and native cloud, and born in the cloud, and all those sorts of things. It's not necessarily true though, is it?
1: No, not at all. And, um, you know, we get a lot of customers that say, I just need to lift and shift and then that's gonna solve everything. And to Trevor, to Mark's point, sorry, a lot of those customers that, that did that are now moving back because lifting and shifting doesn't actually generate any of that, that value. And what we also find is it really depends on the maturity of the customer and and their teams as to how much value they get in the, the, the public cloud versus actually starting their app transformation locally in our private cloud environments. And especially for some of our government customers, containerized their application in our, our safe private cloud environment to get the team ready and the application ready to then move into other environments in the future, um, and to, to access some of those other services in those hyperscale environments. Uh, I just touched back as well on your point around that cost predictability. I think it's so key for some customers, especially for long running core workloads, where they just want to be able to project out month on month, year on year, what that application's going to cost. Mm. There's also a perception that customers have and in the market that private cloud is cheaper, uh, sorry, more expensive than public cloud. And that's 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 just a myth, which is not true. We've done a lot of work to take price off the table for our customers so that we are price comparable to to public cloud environments and and what that really drives is that right cloud conversation to say well actually what's the right cloud for what you're wanting to achieve as opposed to saving a few dollars in running costs by moving a workload between environments
0: yeah i i'm i'm a, a was yeah, saying it's it really depends on the calculation and what you put into it isn't it like we've we've seen people suggest that you know you can save money by moving to cloud and well often what we see is that a lot of that is if you're running a really, really efficient environment right now today, sometimes you're actually, if you're just doing the technology costs and you exclude your labor costs as part of this, if you're just doing your technology costs, sometimes it's like for like or even cheaper in some instances, obviously again, it depends. Um, But the typical savings around that labor cost and literally cutting people, culling people off your your budgets is where you get the initial boost from moving to a public cloud in particular. But um, I, I don't think that, you know, I think the value is perhaps the better way to look at this. What is the value that you can get out of it? And that really comes down to what is the use case that you're trying to actually pursue? What are you going for? What's what's the real reason that you're trying to do this? And, and Rodney, I'd like to put you on the hot seat here and, and, and ask, what are the types of um, use cases that you're seeing people pursue at the moment where a private cloud is involved and it's actually starting to prove a lot of benefits for those organizations.
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And before we go into that, Trevor, I just want to add on to this whole cost sure. topic, if I can take us back down that rabbit warren. Yeah. Um, go, go. I think if I look at costs, there's two things that drive costs it's the operations and it's the workload sizing. Um, so we've put a lot of focus in as have um, Datacom around making the private cloud operations as effective and efficient as you possibly can. So at Cisco, for example, we've launched a product called Cisco Intersight, which is a cloud managed platform, which basically gives people deep insight as to what's happening in their private cloud stack and, and what they need to do to optimize it. It's almost that um, one dashboard for compute that we all dream about having. Um, you know, so we've kind of got that. And on top of that, we then start to release a lot of um, features and functionality on it. One of them is workload optimizer, or we call it inside workload optimizer. Um, we all know we have egos. I've bought a, a car that goes much faster than what I need, um, that what I, what I could possibly drive it at. And you know, developers do the same thing. They provision workloads with much more capacity and much more speed than they need, and actually having insights to he, this guy said this application needs 16 gig of RAM, and four vCPUs. But for the last few months, it's been running at a quarter of that. Well, I'm gonna guess what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna right size it, and when I right size it, and all of a sudden, I've removed cost. So how do we get that sort of um scale into the clouds? Because they're they're the input, they're the two input costs are. Uh, how much capacity is being demanded, and how am I operating it. Get those two right, then we can, we can really um, and streamline it. And in terms of um, use cases, that's what we've seen really come into um, into into the um, fold of what people are trying to do. So, actually understanding to say, hey, these applications, as Daniel pointed out, there's no innovation lifting and shifting your VM into someone else's cloud. That's just shifting. You still have to operate it. You still have to run it. You still have to do everything with it. But we're seeing that when private clouds are sized correctly, uh, optimized correctly, and they've got the tools on them that are really driving um, operational efficiencies, then that's where we're, we're seeing a lot of focus for customers invest back into private cloud. And then they say, hey, I can connect out to public clouds to still consume services. Um, some great examples we're seeing um, are people who are consuming um, things like Salesforce. Um, Cisco ourselves are a massive Salesforce um, user of people consuming Salesforce and they're using the core function, but then on their private cloud, they're writing out a lot of um, bespoke microservices um, on their own container platform. And then they're connecting the two together. And then then they're really driving innovation because they're not beholden to what innovation is happening in that public cloud, they're doing it themselves. And because it's all done in their own cloud stack in microservices, it's quick, it's agile, and feature velocity to their users is very fast. So we're seeing that as something that's really starting to um, get a lot of traction in the market as the way people think about how their applications are, are architected.
1: Yeah, and they're really driving them to think about the business outcomes that they're looking for rather than the, the technology um, components. I'm I'm very fascinated as to where the whole cloud visibility is heading to in the future, as customers have more of these hybrid applications knitting together a whole lot of different SaaS, PaaS, and, and IaaS services. I uh, see that as a real opportunity uh, for, for that Nucleus private cloud to provide that single view across the environment to help customers understand what that landscape looks like. And it's definitely a big area of focus for the um, data and value that we feel we can provide to our customers.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think the, well sort of circling back to, to points, Mike made by both Daniel and, and Rodney. I think sometimes we sort of have this this understanding that says, you know, innovation equals public cloud or public cloud equals innovation and private cloud equals giving everything how it was previously. Uh, and it's not true. You know, there seems to be this perception out there that, you know, if your private cloud means that you're not really doing anything interesting with your workloads and you're just parking them there uh, and it's purely a cost-based equation, and it's not true. You know, we've got certainly you take government use case and other use cases for doing applications and application modernization in private cloud. People somehow think you can't do containers and you can't do all of these kind of you know, continuous integration, continuous development, and getting these new applications transformed or built. Uh, you can do that just as well on private cloud as you can in public cloud. And I think as customers start to understand that a little bit more, it provides a little bit more balance to the equation around where that workload needs to fit.
1: It's so funny you say that, Mark, because often we have customers look a bit surprised when we say, yes, we have a full container platform. Uh, yes, we have file service that you can just write to, rather than having your own file service. Um, they seem a bit surprised that that a private cloud can have all of that functionality, and you know we we absolutely do. And then then they get really excited about what that means they can do in that that safe environment. Gentlemen, I'm going to
0: leave it on that that note there because I think it's a a great note to finish on that that positive view around innovation and innovation isn't your platform. Innovation is your people and what you're actually trying to do and the business outcomes that you're going for. I think we've we've kind of had a, a good deep discussion around private cloud and the hybrid cloud world today. So thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. Great to have all of you listening too. And thanks to Cisco and Datacom for joining me today. This was Trevor Clark from Tech Research Asia. See you next time.